So we're in week three of 40 days of prayer. Uh, this week, we're going to be spending time focusing on the spirit of Christ. Uh, and we're going to do that both in our time together today. Did we lose the screens? Yeah, that's all right. I don't have slides, so it's good. Um, so we're going to do that both in our time together today. And then also in your devotional time, if you're using the 40 days of prayer uh, devotionals that came from our Alliance family, there is that emphasis in those as well. Now, we've said this many times before. Uh, but as we think about the times in the history of the church globally where you see a movement of God, where you see something we might call an awakening or a revival, if you study those, they're always preceded by a time of prayer, fasting, renewal. And, and, and so those revivals break out where people have done what we've talked about before. They've put themselves under the faucet, so to speak, and God just chooses to open the faucet sometimes. And so that's what you see. Where revivals break out is where people have come to God or come back to God. That's always been preceded by those times. And so this is why we're joining our Alliance family in these 40 days of prayer. Uh, this is what we want for this neighborhood, right? This is what we want for this neighborhood. We want to see God do something. And, and if our church grows as a result of it, amazing. But if the other gospel-believing churches in our neighborhood grow as well, double amazing. We're on the same team. We want the same thing. And so, so that's my plug. That's my encouragement, my invitation to you, my exhortation to you to engage in this time. And so uh, today is day 15. So you still have more than half of the days of the 40 days left that you can engage with. So jump in. There's a ton of stuff you can use. Uh, there's daily devotionals. There's video content. There's a weekly uh, prayer meeting that we've done here for the last couple weeks on Wednesday mornings at 8 o'clock. There's also an online prayer gathering with our Greater Alliance family. Uh, all of that stuff you can find on our church website at landsdown.church or links to it. Uh, there's also the audio version of the daily devotionals, which I'm just doing. Uh, and so all those things are, are, are good. But remember, all of those things are a means to an end. That's not the point right? The end is to abide in Jesus, to be filled with his spirit, to be transformed from one degree of glory to the next. And as we'll see today, part of that is being filled with his spirit so that his spirit can play three particular roles in our life. And so that's what uh, we're going to look at today. So the text is going to be from Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1, if you have that. And so this is the Apostle Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, an ancient city in the Near East and that still exists, uh, that Trish has been to and sent me pictures of. Uh, and so uh, what he does in this book is present the Holy Spirit, who is the third person of the Trinity, right, which is a complicated thing, uh, so complicated that we're still debating about it and what does it mean and what's the nature and how does it work. It's, it's above our ability to understand, but it's true and we hold to it. He, he's presenting the Holy Spirit, the third person of the Trinity, as a prominent part of the life of the church and the life of each believer. Now, if you grew up in a church background like me, people start talking about the Holy Spirit, you start getting weirded out a little bit. That's me, okay? So I'm confessing to you. I know in the Alliance we, we make a lot of space for the work of the Holy Spirit and the gifts and I believe in all that stuff. I just don't have a ton of experience with it. So if that's you, I'm with you in that. Like, I, I tend to think about the Holy Spirit to me sometimes feels like that estranged family member at Thanksgiving dinner who's like sitting on the couch when everyone's at the dinner table, right? Like they're in the family for sure, but like I don't really know them that well. 
And, and for me, and that's a deficit I'm, I'm working on, but that's where the spirit is for me. So I'm preaching this to myself as much as you. This week was study uh, for me, and it was so good. And so let me read this section first, and then we're going to look at three particular roles the spirit has in our lives as followers of Jesus. So I'm going to read the, a large section here, Ephesians 1, 11 to 23. I was just going to read a little section, but that doesn't work for, to get the ideas. And so Ephesians 1, 11 to 23. And if it sounds like my voice is a little hoarse, it is. So give me some grace in that. I might sip my water more than normal. Or I might just pick it up more than normal, but not actually sip, which is what I do a lot. All right, Ephesians 1, 11. In him, we have obtained an inheritance. Okay, so pause there. The him is Christ. That's Paul speaking about Christ. And the work by which we obtain the inheritance is what we covered last week with the life, the death, and the resurrection. That's how we got the inheritance. So, so that's the order of things, right? Christ does the work, then we, by no work of our own, receive this inheritance. And from there we go, okay? So in him we have received, we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, don't let that word freak you out, predestined according to the purposes of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. Verse 15, for this reason, because I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints, I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having the eyes of your hearts enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints? And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe, according to the working of his great might, that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly places, far above all rule and all authority and power and dominion, and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And that's part of the inheritance. We're going to get to that. And he put all things under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. So we said there are three roles that the Holy Spirit uh, brings to, this, to, to the believer that we see in this text. There's more, but in particular in this text is what we want to look at. So verse 13 again, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, that's in Jesus, so you believed in the gospel, the good news about Jesus, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. And so what we see is this picture that Paul's using, this metaphor of a seal, right? And so during this time, things like official letters would be sealed, uh, with a signet, maybe, or a ring, and they'd be sealed with the mark of the person sending the letter so that you know who it came from, so that you knew who it came from. And they weren't supposed to be opened by anybody except the person who was addressed uh, to whom the letter was written. So let's say in Paul's day, a Roman official sends a letter to someone with instructions or orders. They would seal the letter, identifying that letter with their mark. And even today, we do things like this. Right. So I remember when I first came as pastor, I was down in the basement, uh, just looking around, seeing what was down there and, and um, looking through files, looking through membership records, stuff like that. Kind of first week on the job stuff. And as I was doing that, 
I was opening desk drawers and just kind of familiar, familiarizing myself with, you know, do we have paper clips? We need pens, like that kind of stuff. And inside a drawer was this little black bag. Now, inside this little black bag is a tool, and I realized this is some kind of seal. So, of course, being curious, I got a piece of paper, which I found in the other drawer, stuck it in here, and clamped down on it. And what this says on it, uh, which is actually pretty cool that we have it, is the Bloomfield branch of the Christian and Missionary Alliance, uh, incorporated 1937. So this is a seal, right? And the purpose of this would be to make a document officially from this church. And if you're newer here, that's the first name of this church. Uh, we The name has been changed, or it's at least doing business as Lansdowne Alliance Church, but that doesn't matter. But the Bloomfield branch of the Christian Missionary Alliance incorporated in 1937. It's in the round thing with the cool, like a logo. And so you know that that's official. Like it's, it's sealed with the seal, right? And so we, we do, again, same thing today. Get something notarized. What's that about? It's about an official seal. So you know that it's where it's from. And so what Paul is saying here is that the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit, who is the Spirit of Christ, that person has come to dwell in you and fill you. And one of the purposes of that is to be an official type of marking on your life that you are indeed a child of God. And so we see this when we interact with people, right? They do something and let's say they, they refuse to repent. They refuse to confess sin and repent. And we say, you know, that's evidence that there hasn't been the seal of the Holy Spirit on their life. Because if there was the Holy Spirit, these things would be evident. That's what Paul's getting at. Now, what we also need to see is that this sealing is not just for a particular subset within the family of God, okay? Remember, in these epistles in the New Testament, the writer is speaking to all the Christians in that city, right? So it'd be like, to the church at Baltimore, all the Christians. And because of what we believe about how the Bible and how inspiration works, that these words are for God's people through all time and all places, these words are for us as well. So now again, in verse 13, we see that the presence of the Holy Spirit in the believer is the identifying mark that sets that person aside as God's child. But we also see that this mark is for all who believe, for all who believe. You believe and you receive Jesus. You thereby have his life, his death, and his resurrection count on your behalf. And then you are sealed with the Holy Spirit's presence. So why is that important? Well, this is just like what we said last week about Jesus being the only mediator between us and God. It means there's no like extra super Christian followers of Jesus. We're all sealed with the same Holy Spirit. Right? So I've said this to friends before. They're like, oh man, you know, I just feel like if you pray, it'll be better. And I'm like, you have the same Holy Spirit I have. You have the same Holy Spirit. There, there aren't any of us who have any more ability to grow in the fruit of the Spirit than anybody else because we've been sealed with the same Spirit. All there is in the family of God, the only kind of person there is in the family of God is people who are growing into who they are in the Spirit. That's it. There's one category. Now, some of us have been walking that longer than others. Some of us are in a season where we're doing better at that than others, but we're the same category. 
We're just people who have surrendered to Jesus and are now believing in him and filled with his spirit and growing into what the spirit has made us. So if you know and you love Jesus, you have all that you need to be identified with God. You don't have to do anything else. There's no second level. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit. You are his. And as we said last week, he's proud of you. So proud, in fact, that he stamped you with his seal. He's given you his very spirit as the seal for the whole world to see that you're his. Jesus promised this in places like John 14, right? Where he says, if you love me, I'll ask the father and he'll send his spirit to help you. And so Paul is saying here that Jesus kept that promise. The spirit is that promise coming to indwell us. You are sealed with the Holy Spirit. But let's keep going to the second role here, verses 13 and 14. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation and believed in him, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, 14, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. So we've talked a lot about already not yet, and this is it right here. This is some of that already not yet theology right here. So this concept when it comes to the, the Holy Spirit is one of those that I, I admittedly don't grab onto as often as I should, that there, there's an inheritance coming and the presence of the Holy Spirit is a foretaste of it. And so what Paul said is actually pretty incredible, though. The fact that you've been sealed with the Holy Spirit as a follower of Jesus, the reality that you now have the Holy Spirit indwelling you, this is a, a down payment. This is a guarantee of the inheritance that Jesus has gained for us through his life, his death, his resurrection, into which we become children of God simply by trusting in him. Now, now, so maybe you ask, well, what is the inheritance? What is this inheritance? What is it? And so if I, if I would boil it down, I, I would argue that the ultimate inheritance that the Spirit of Christ is, is gaining for you, is giving you a taste of, is his very presence in the coming kingdom. That's the inheritance you're going to take hold of in that day. That's your inheritance, to, to be with God forever. But then what's the down payment of that? What's the tangible manifestation of that life with God forever? Well, let's connect some dots. I, hopefully this will connect some dots. Jesus said that he was what? The way, the truth, and the life. He also said that he came to bring us life and life to the full. Well, if, if this life to the full is ultimately life with him forever in his coming kingdom, that's what it ultimately is about. But we also know that the Holy Spirit in us is a down payment of this promise. Then what experience of this down payment do we have now? Because Jesus didn't say you're going to have no experience and then one day you'll have it all. He said you're, you're going to have life now and in eternity. I think it's clear that, that this is where the fruit of the Spirit connects all of this. So the Holy Spirit is the down payment of life with God. And when we walk in the Spirit, starting here and now, right as you believe, you're indwelt, you're sealed with the Spirit, you start to walk in the Spirit, you begin to walk in the down payment of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control. You begin to walk in those things. All of these are things that we will experience in full in the kingdom that's coming because God's presence will be there. 
but we can also experience them now in the Spirit as a down payment, as a guarantee, as a foretaste of the fullness that's coming. This is what the Holy Spirit is showing us by his indwelling presence, right? Because the ultimate gift God gives us is that we become people of love, joy, and peace because that's what he is. And he is shaping us into the image of Jesus. That's what we gain. We gain Jesus in us through the Holy Spirit. It's the Spirit reminding us that the life to the full we experience now is actually only the down payment of the life to the full that's coming in the kingdom. Okay, last of the three roles the Holy Spirit brings to us, and then just hopefully some thought and application. Verse 16 and 17. I do not cease to give thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him. So the Spirit is the identifying mark on us as believers. He's the seal on us. And then not only does the Spirit give us this this down payment, or He is the down payment of life with God in the kingdom as we walk in the Spirit and live into peace, joy, and love that is our inheritance. But then also the Spirit is the pipeline, the conduit for truth for us. Now this is really an important discussion for us, particularly in the stream of Christianity that we find ourselves in. We are part of the global church as what we might say as evangelical Christians, but we are not the entirety of the global church. And this is an area of weakness for us in our theology sometimes. The Bible is not the spirit of God. Okay, The Bible itself is not the spirit. It is divinely inspired. So don't hear me saying that the Bible is not important. I don't believe that. I would never teach that. I don't hold to that. But the Trinity is not God the Father, God the Son, and God the Bible. It's God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And so historic global Christianity has believed that the Holy Spirit, the presence of God himself, is ultimately where truth is. And so it's the Holy Spirit who is a person who is the conduit to God's (coughs) truth, And so to be sure, again, hear me say this, the Holy Spirit, God, inspired the scriptures. And so that's why the Bible is vital for your walk with God. But the Bible itself is not God. And so this is why this distinction needs to be made, because it comes, the Bible comes to us from God himself so that we can be with God himself. The point of reading the Bible isn't the Bible itself. The point of reading the Bible is to be present with God, be filled with, and walk in the Holy Spirit. That's the same point as prayer. The point of prayer is to be present with God and for God to be present with you and for the Holy Spirit to indwell you. We saw this in our recent study in the Gospel of John. This is Jesus in John 14. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send, there's the whole Trinity, Jesus part of the Trinity speaking about the advocate, the Holy Spirit coming from the Father. The Father will send in my name. He will teach you all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. So it's the Holy Spirit who uses the scriptures to teach us all things. So the scriptures are vitally, they're a sacred text. And so this week, as you're 
doing your Bible reading, you're spending time maybe in silence and solitude, you're spending time in prayer, just remember that those things in themselves are not the goal. They are not the end in and of themselves. The end is life in the kingdom of God, life in the spirit. Paul says, walk in the spirit. The end is life in the spirit of Christ who seals us as his own, who gives us a taste of the life with him that we have coming in his kingdom of love, joy, and peace. And so I just want to close actually with a parable that I didn't have as part of my notes until yesterday. Um, but I reread it yesterday in the Bible reading plan that I emailed out a little while back. And so one of the readings from yesterday was Luke chapter 11, was from Luke chapter 11. And I realized as I was reading it that I had never connected the dots back to the Holy Spirit before in that text. Now, just as a side funny story, I was reading it at the kitchen table and my daughter Journey walked up to me and said, Dad, what are you doing? Are you getting ready for your speech? I was like, well, kind of. So I never connected the dots of this text back to the Holy Spirit before. And so I'm, I'm hoping that maybe my thought here is correct and that this will give you some impact and insight on what we're talking about today. So this, this text, as I read it, as soon as I started reading, I was like, oh, here it comes. here's the one that people misuse, right? It's been misused very often to teach that if we'll just believe enough, we can have material things, right? And so I'm guessing many of you will know this text, even if it's just from hearing it kind of out in the culture, but here it is. This is Luke 11, five, I'm going to read 5 to 13. And Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, let me, uh, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine is on a journey, has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Now, this is the point at which I've heard it a million times. The preacher stops and we, uh, we're going to take up an offering now and we're seeking the Lord to give us, right? So into my ministry, right? And so they do all that stuff and they tell you, if you just ask God what you really want and you do it really, really hard and you, you know, maybe you close your eyes really tight and you do it just right, you'll get what you want. And, and you'll end up with material wealth or success, whatever that means. But for whatever reason, in my own walk, I had never connect, I had never read that passage all I mean I've read it all the way through but I just never saw it before you had that experience with the scriptures that's what's beautiful about him you got a whole life ahead of you of that I just have never had this text stick out like this to me and so let's keep going verse 11 which of you fathers if your son asks for a fish will give him a snake instead when I was talking to journey about this yesterday she was like well I kind of would like a snake though like, that's not the point which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, you'll give him a scorpion. Here it is. If you then, though you are evil, just Jesus reminding us of the truth, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven give the what? Holy Spirit to those who ask him. So did you see it? Did you catch it? All that asking, seeking, knocking is meant to be about the Holy Spirit. That's the point of the parable Jesus is telling. So Jesus is saying that if we who are evil 
know how to give good things to those we love who persistently ask, of course God who loves perfectly will give us his very spirit when we ask. So ask, seek, and knock. But here's where I want to land the plane, hopefully. In Jesus' parable, there's this persistence to the asking, the seeking, the knocking, right? The language is that it goes, it keeps happening. He's telling a story to make a point, and I, and I want to put before you what I think is maybe a helpful way to look at all of this. I think that Jesus is telling us that it's the act of continuing to ask, of continuing to seek, of continuing to knock, which is where the Spirit is actually found. So maybe it's the act of asking, seeking, and knocking. Uh, maybe that act is what we might call spiritual practices, that as you make a practice of prayer, that's you knocking. And God is going to open the door because you're asking for the Spirit. So you keep praying daily until you get more of the Spirit because that's what you really want. You want more Jesus, more of your presence, more of your Spirit, Christ. You keep practicing silence and solitude until you get more of the Holy Spirit. It's the act of seeking asking and knocking that we keep going back to over and over and over and over again. This is life with God. You keep asking, you keep seeking, you're persistent. That's what Jesus is inviting you to do. And this becomes the way of our life by which we're continually given more and more of the sealing, inheritance, guaranteeing presence of the person of the Holy Spirit. See, God wants to give this to you. If you know how to give gifts, how much more did your Father in heaven know how to give you his very spirit? And that's just the thing. You, you ask, you seek, and you knock, and you don't stop until you have all the Holy Spirit presence you want, but the way it works is that the more of his presence you have, the more you want, so the more you're going to keep seeking and asking and knocking until his kingdom comes and you get your inheritance. So keep seeking, keep asking, keep knocking. Let's pray. Jesus, we, we want your presence. Holy Spirit, we, we invite you to come. We're not good at it, and that's the point. Sometimes we are unfaithful people. So often we are unfaithful to spend time with you, and yet we know that you are faithful. And you have begun a good work in us because we've seen the evidence of it, and so we know that you're faithful to finish what you've started. So, Father, would you give us just the spark of desire we need to, to seek one more time, to ask one more time, to knock one more time? And would you give us more awareness, more spirit, so that we would be just triggered one more time to seek and ask and knock and make that our way of life. That we would be the kind of people who are continually seeking after you and your kingdom so that all the other things would take care of themselves. But in the end, the kingdom is what we're after. That we would become kingdom people who are filled with the spirit, who walk in the spirit and who by nature of that bear the fruit of the spirit of love, joy, and peace to those around you. And we ask that you would be with us this week. We ask again for your safety as we make our way home and for uh, those who may be coming into this building a little later today, that they would be wise and safe as well. And we ask all this in Jesus' name, amen.